0: Hi, I'm TJ. And I'm Joseph. And this is DelayFi. <laughs> TJ, welcome to the new show. <laughs> DelayFi, yes. It's where we delay recording as long as possible, apparently.
1: <laughs> Only because of uh, I mean, in honor of Prime Day, I mean, you had more shopping to do. You just didn't have time to podcast, right?
0: Oh, yeah that that that's that's true. That's what it was. You know, the dog ate my homework. I don't know what else. Oh,
1: uh, you you were celebrating your anniversary.
0: <laughs> that's right. So that was, and we were supposed. To, then we were supposed to record last week, and I wasn't feeling well. And then we were supposed to record yesterday, and then you were like, "I've got like painting or something to do." So
1: yeah, uh, it's true. Yeah. I had but to here we are. Porch.
0: Here we are, episode 33.
1: Yeah, we caught up in the flow of time and delay d- d- does delay five mean that when people are listening to this they're listening to it in the future i don't understand well this
0: yeah works. so um yeah because we're speaking to them from the past because we record in an evening and then we'll release it the next day and then people will listen to it throughout that day or the next probably and so yes we're speaking to them from the past they're in the future hello future listeners
1: oh okay hi hi everybody from the future in the past
0: yes it's great great in the past
1: speaking of old topics i wanted to talk about something that came out in the news a little bit ago is this day one or so is this the first day Mm -hmm. yes so uh the day one app is my favorite journaling app and i've used it off and on over the years but only three weeks before the announcement that day one was getting acquired by atomic who runs wordpress uh, three weeks before the okay, announcement, I, I, I resumed a routine of d- day wanting every day.
0: I've never heard anybody say WordPress owner company's name, but I, it looks like automatic to me, Joe.
1: What did I say? Atomic. Atomic. Yes. Oh my bad. I'm sorry. That is another company. I yes. think they. I think they sell <laughs> shoes.
0: Yeah. No. WordPress is WordPress's owners is automatic.
1: I knew that. Yeah. Automatic with two T's because they're special.
0: Uh, just yes. like joseph well i think it might be because of their founder matt Mullenweg. Hmm, do i have that right word press founder i'm not a big fan of wordpress i use other cms's but yeah matt mullenweg um, and there's two
1: t's in matt so that's right. automatic
0: yes. ah yes 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 now you understand that's <laughs> instant yes how
1: do you feel so, about this do you ever use day one
0: you know, I um I am not a big fan of WordPress, but that said, I think uh Matt Mullenweg is a fine person as far, far as I know um and a lot of people use and benefit from wordpress and it does have a place i think my biggest problem with wordpress is that people use it for all sorts of things they shouldn't be using it for um and that's fine i think they're they're fine they're fine it's it's old software and a lot of my problems also are a lot of the way it's written but the way it was written was fine back in the day so all that to say i don't know that i have a problem specifically with automatic or them owning the day one journaling app um now Unfortunately, a lot of times what you see, though, is when when companies acquire other companies, it's to start synergizing things together. And so you (laughs) you start losing things as they integrate their core business into whatever reasons were that they bought the app. I mean, so we see this potentially, we don't know the full story yet, but we see this potentially with Dark Sky and Apple, right, where, yeah. um, you know, well, we did, we definitely lost some stuff where I, I'm not on Android anymore, so I don't care, but, like, Dark Sky was a weather app that was on Android, and Apple bought it and immediately pulled it from, from Android. No more <laughs> oh. Dark Sky for Android. And yeah. now we thought we were probably going to lose the um apis that developers use to to do their weather apps through dark Sky's api however apple has extended it which makes me think that more weather apis based on dark sky are coming to ios in the future all that aside my my, i've i've straight off the main point the point is that i don't why would does this i didn't have time to read this um this is the one link i didn't follow through and click before the show did they say why automatic acquired day one
1: Presumably so that there is a really handy app across platform that you can upload your posts to your WordPress.com websites or to your Tumblr websites because Automatic also owns Tumblr now. Okay. So if you already wanted to write and blog, you know, you you could also share pictures easily this way. So... So
0: Mm. So potentially it's sort of like – so I'm, I'm actually reading this link now from 9to5Mac, and um, you know, the WordPress blog says we're excited to welcome day one, blah, blah, blah. When you want to share specific entries or even entire journals with the world, you can expect seamless integrations with both WordPress.com and Tumblr to do just that. So it sounds a little bit like they're wanting to make it an, an official – are you familiar with MarsEdit? Edit?
1: Yes, I thought about that too.
0: Yeah, so they're wanting to do something official there. MarsEdit will post to WordPress, uh, but MarsEdit is basically software that you run on your Mac and then you connect it to your WordPress instance and you can publish stuff and manage stuff. And and that that connection, I've used MarsEdit for both WordPress and for Expression Engine. I think those are the only two systems I've used it with. It does connect to others. Huh. Um, and it's been years since I've done that, so it may have gotten better. But the, the connections were tenuous and shaky and fragile and could break, um, and I suppose uh, after or Apple, um, Automatic wanting to make this an official client of WordPress would have advantages. Um, that said, that wasn't hmm, so that wasn't the idea behind Day One. Is that Day One was no. a private journal, right? So this, this doesn't. I don't know. There's it not doesn't a lot. Sit of the, well, <laughs> the, the, the synergies they're trying to synergize are not going to make much uh, synergization.
1: <laughs> the, the, the word has it on the street from other tech reviewers that Automatic has been decent to anything else that they acquired. So, we shouldn't expect them to do something uh, dang, you know th- that would hurt the experience of the users, like poach the features and then leave day one out to die in the gutter um, I, I that is what i fear i I agree with you exactly for the reason that you mentioned that they're changing the purpose of the journaling app to be about online blogging to you know, help those people that are trying to get more page views and stuff. Whereas it used to be your journal was about, you know, your own curation of your thoughts in life. And it was great to have it in a great resource across platform.
0: The other fascinating thing about this is this is a, um, an app uh, that is on Mac and iOS I, iPad, presumably. I don't see a picture of iPad here though. And, um, the on I,
1: I use it on the iPad every day.
0: Okay, so so they have – basically they're on Mac platforms. And you would think that WordPress, being a platform agnostic tool that runs on PHP – um, and then they they more recently and in recent years have um, taken the whole concept of WordPress. It still, of course, runs on PHP in the background, but they've abstracted it out where they run the servers, they run the software, and then you create a blog on a server somewhere. And so they abstracted it even further so that it's e- more accessible for more people who are not tech savvy. But the the, the point is that WordPress would want to be platform agnostic you can word you can run your wordpress blog from windows from linux from mac from ios from android from wherever and this app that they've acquired they're talking about um that they're talking about integrating with wordpress day one is an apple platform app so does that mean they're going to take that code base and or the ideas of it and port it over to windows and linux as well or is it going to stay a Mac app only? Like, I'm I'm fascinated by what they're thinking here.
1: Yeah, the, I feel the same way. There's so many uh, difficult questions to ask because when you're dealing with something like your journal, I think it is so personal that it is maybe even more important to you than something like your calendar. Hmm. Because you can always you change your calendar platform and schedule things into the future and the past doesn't matter so much. But your old entries are a curated collection.
0: That's interesting. I don't think of journals as something private per se. Not private. Um, I think but of them precious. as Sure. I think of them as for posterity almost. Like you're yes. journaling stuff. And perhaps you I, I don't journal, so you know, I don't know. I may have the wrong ideas, but perhaps you will also revisit these, but also like people when you think when you hear of journal entries you're thinking of people in the 17 1600s or something writing their journal and we're we're finding a day in the life of so and so based on what they journaled you know and so that's interesting but but journals can have many different purposes so on the one hand i i don't mind the idea that you might want to journal something in public and, and publish it to a wordpress blog so I, I but i just don't i'm not quite seeing the crossover here that i think automatic is seeing but maybe yeah. they just wanted a good code base, and they realized that that code is an
1: extraordinarily good code base.
0: Yeah. Well, we actually don't know that, but it's an extraordinarily good app. Uh, whether the code yeah, base okay. is yeah. good so, is, is something different. Yeah, it's different. a great user experience. Yes. So that maybe they wanted a good code base that had some features that they could then take and turn that into blogging application to connect with wordpress i don't know i don't know what they're thinking and we should since we don't know we keep saying i keep saying i don't know we should probably move on but that's that's my thoughts
1: well my impression is that as a user i'm thinking of it a lot like dark sky it is the dark sky of journaling apps so yeah i'm curious to see where they take it next
0: joe are you planning on getting an ergonomic mouse can you tell yeah, me about that? so i am planning
1: to get an ergonomic mouse and i didn't know that these even existed until recently really so, what what do you think of when you hear the idea of ergonomic mouse? Do you think a bigger mouse, one with some grooves in it for your fingers? What well, do you picture?
0: You no, know, when I think of ergonomic anything, I'm thinking this has been designed to, uh, in some form or fashion, relieve stress and strain and fit the user in in a more natural way. Um, and in our industry specifically, a lot of people face something called RSI, a repetitive strain injury. And not that you can't get RSI even from ergonomic things, but ergonomic things, because they're trying to fit you more naturally in your natural postures and positions, tend to um, re- remove some of the, the problematic RSI issues. Um, for, for instance, you have our, um, ergonomic keyboards, which change the angle that you're typing at and everything, so it's a more natural position for your hands and fingers to be in. The same thing with ergonomic mouse, um, ergonomic mouse um a lot of people who are sense have sensitive or, or have started to feel the onset of rsi will switch to ergonomic mice unfortunately by that time often it's too late um yeah. from what i hear i've never had any issues and i'm sure i'm headed there someday because i do a lot of typing and mousing but um so far i'm, I'm almost 40 and i've done this for whew, 15 years i've been behind a computer and all the time and no RSI, but yeah. um, in good. any event, that, so when I think of ar- ergonomics, that's that's immediately what comes to mind is cool. things that are designed not to look good, but to be <laughs> usable uh, ergonomically for the way that your body is shaped and, and stuff.
1: Yeah, so I started experiencing RSI when I was a graphic designer, and it was mostly in my right hand because when you were pushing around pixels in some Illustrator file or Photoshop file... You you would literally be trying to make my, minute movements with a mouse to just change a pixel, and you know maybe I should take the time to do that on a keyboard on uh, you know on a regular basis all the time, but because my hand was already on the mouse, it was frequently easy to just conveniently do it from there, and. If you were looking at my hand, you wouldn't even see it moving, but I would know that I'm just applying enough pressure to the mouse that it's going to move one pixel in that direction. There it is. So that created some RSI over time. And at first I wasn't sure if it was because of the keyboard and how I typed. And so I was changing keyboards and changing mice as well. And eventually I I did figure out that it was the mouse. And Apple's magic mice also cause this problem because they're just just so shallow and hard to hold.
0: Mm -hmm. Apple's mice are the least ergonomic thing I think that Apple makes in ages.
1: (laughs) There's bad products, to be honest. Features, great, but ergonomics, horrible. So I I love the Magic Mouse in concept, but I just cannot use it without it hurting my fingers.
0: I wish they would take the concept and make it a shape that human hands can use.
1: Oh, hold. I really wish they would, yeah. So Logitech makes a lot of products that are very Apple ecosystem-like, third-party products made for the uh, the Mac and for other Apple products. Oh, sorry, bumped the microphone. So Logitech makes the... MX series mice and they're larger, they fit your contours better, but they wouldn't claim that the standard Logitech MX series mouse is a ergonomic
0: mouse. I don't know if that's true. I'll have to look that up. I thought that the... Anyway, continue.
1: So if they make a claim that it is ergonomic, it is more ergonomic than a normal mouse, but it is not their ergonomic mouse. So they do Mm. make a vertical-oriented Logitech MX Uh, mostly ergonomic mouse and i didn't even know that this existed however the downside is is that it does not have a horizontal scroll so uh when i discovered these things existed it was by way of a youtuber who was reviewing a new mouse by a company called wait
0: did you say that the mx master 3 doesn't have a horizontal scroll because that's false i use mine all the time
1: it is the vertical MX master mouse that
0: doesn't have Gotcha. The, okay. Now I'm tracking. All right. Yeah, sorry. it's a
1: little confusing to say vertical in this context because you might have been thinking that Joseph, you're talking about the vertical scroll. No, I'm actually talking about the vertical mouse.
0: The vertical mouse. Got it. Got yeah. it.
1: So if you take the if you take your hand and basically rest it on your desk like you're holding a regular mouse, your thumb is sideways. To hold a vertical mouse, your thumb is Turned upward to ten o'clock, and then the top of the mouse is in between your thumb and your index finger at roughly twelve o'clock, so that your hand is more or less like in the position you might be holding the steering wheel of your car. So you're never holding it exactly at a ninety degree angle. You're holding it a little catty corner, and you can hold the mouse this way. And those vertical mice are built for this purpose. But I haven't come across one that has vertical and horizontal scrolling until now. Mm. This was the Deluxe Seeker mouse that they uh, kicked off on Kickstarter. So it was well supported, completed the Kickstarter campaign eight weeks ago. They raised well, 134000 out of their $772 goal or something like that. So they're going to definitely make this mouse and I hope it does come to their website because I cannot buy in now and it's not available directly off of their said their website at this time. They do sell other vertical mice, but none of them have the horizontal scroll that the Kickstarter model has. So if anybody listening to this knows of a vertical mouse, ergonomic mouse that has horizontal scrolling, I would love to know about it because I want to give that a shot.
0: Yeah. So, um, Ergonomics is not a one size fits all, nor is it a this is this is ergonomic. This is not ergonomic. It's not like an A B, right? So some, some yeah. things can be more ergonomic than other things. So I think if, if they made a bowling
1: ball that was ergonomic for me, it would yeah. look a little bit more like a a, a squished watermelon.
0: <laughs> sure, um, but so so the ergonomics is sort of a a spectrum, and um, what is ergonomic for one person may not be as ergonomic for another. Now now there are some obviously some things that are just widely considered more ergonomically acceptable for you know comfort and preventing RSI and these sorts of things. For me, I actually think because I've been trying to like put my hand ever since I've watched this video and saw this mouse that you linked to in the in the show notes. Um, I've been trying to see like what is the natural resting place in my hand, and my hand actually rests pretty naturally in the in the around, about the place that it would rest with the MX Master Three, which is what I use. So maybe that's why I don't have ergonomic problems, and I've always used my similar to the uh, MX Master Three, so they they're fairly ergonomic for my hand. Maybe that's why I don't have RSI issues. And I'm not sure I would like this super vertical thing because that actually feels a little bit unnatural to me. So some of it some of it can be, I think, mm-hmm. different from person to person. Yep, um, I, I also that. use a chiclet-style Apple keyboard, and so one day I'm probably going to wish I hadn't done that. I don't know, but I really like the way it types. And I, I've typed on these ergonomic keyboards, and they feel like they would take way too long for me to get used to, and they would take up way too much space on the desk. And so I just – I haven't gone that route, so – I don't on have
1: note, it's interesting, the Apple keyboard, the current generation you're talking about, that, it, yeah, the shallow keys, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like you would be typing on it very well. Anecdotally, there is a, another YouTuber, Ali Abdal who ha, is a speed typist. He can type like 157 words a minute. And he got that record on the Apple keyboard and not on purpose because he loves collecting mechanical keyboards that have different tactile feels and different mechanisms. And he thought that any one of those would probably give him the best speed run. But yeah. it was the Apple keyboard, and he said he I, likes it. He likes both I it. styles. So
0: there, there. Even though I have my quibbles with Apple's current Magic keyboards, uh, for instance, the lack of the inverted arrow T on <laughs> it makes it difficult to censor the the. Um, uh, arrows are at although on the laptops of course some of the laptops they've fixed this problem or no on all the la- on all the modern laptops they fix this problem but then on the new magic keyboards with the iMac they went back to the uh just whatever anyway <laughs> but as far as actual yeah. just typing letters um I do find it to be the fastest and most stable and easiest keyboard to use and my mistake rate is the lowest on the Apple keyboard I had another keyboard that I used for a while um a there was a chiclet style but it had just a little bit more key travel I found my mistake rate to be much higher with it, although I think that was actually the keyboard wouldn't always type the letter I was typing when I would type it. Um, so Apple's keyboards are just super reliable and mm-hmm. super, super good, and so I just don't use anything else. Um, and, and then when I do, I wind up coming back to the Apple keyboard. My mistake rate goes way up with mechanical keyboards. And now that, that very well could be I just over – my, over my lifetime, I've, I've used Apple's keyboards a lot more than anything else, and that's just what my muscle memory does. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so, that's ergonomics. Uh,
1: we'll see. I'll give it a shot. But I, I would rather have that horizontal scroll.
0: Yeah, this mouse does look interesting. And um, I, I think it's, it's fascinating. And I loved watching the video. So we'll, we'll make sure the links for all this stuff is in the in the show notes.
1: Cool. So the other side item we wanted to get to before we get to a really cool story about, the, you know, what's happening to Windows.
0: Uh, real <laughs> I'm quick, sure you're <laughs> excited about this. I, I
1: just cannot wait, DJ. It's amazing. Oh, sweating here. All right. So. Uh, was something I got for Prime Day. Not a big deal. <laughs> but I picked up some blue light blocking glasses. And I've had blue light blocking glasses before. I had them before it was cool. It wasn't necessary, but I gave it a shot and I liked it. But the glasses themselves were never terribly comfortable while I was also wearing headphones for my day job. So I didn't really like to wear the glasses in the end, not very often because I was always taking them off.
0: Now, do you wear glasses normally? I do not. Uh Uh-huh. So I've never had a problem with any type of glasses and headphones, but I've been wearing glasses (laughs) since I was 11. So
1: yeah. And I I feel for, I feel for you. I, I I feel bad that I don't have a eye condition. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Everybody else in my family has one. I'm sorry, guys. So I, I picked up these glasses They a deal, uh, by a company called peng sir on Amazon, the blue light blocking glasses for men and women. And the, you know, they come in clear frames and black frames and a two pack for 12 bucks. And I felt that that was going to be really iffy, but then I try them on and they're very rigid. So they have, uh, tight joints and they're very, uh, just, they seem structurally sound, uh, they're not high quality premium feels. So I think they were built to last kind of like a good pair of safety goggles, <laughs> but they don't look cheap and they don't look like a, um, you say they don't look like safety goggles. They look like glasses. So I have left a pair here at my desk at home and one at the office and nobody is the wiser. I've had two people compliment me for these glasses at the office and thought that they were just regular glasses they um they're good and i can wear headphones like i am right now tj and they're very comfortable so if you're not experienced with these things what would you expect to see through the lens i can tell you that what it reminds me of is if you're familiar with an apple product that has true tone on the display and you have that on how it taints everything so that it feels like the natural shade of white in whatever light you have It is like that, only it's specifically always having True Tone on to make everything a little bit warm and dilute the blue. So I have at home not a True Tone display connected to my Mac Mini. And with this display, it's beautiful, but I really miss True Tone. So having these glasses on kind of creates that experience again with a device that doesn't support it.
0: Yeah, so the, the difficulty, of course, is that it's not true true tone because true Correct. tone has a has a sensor that senses what is the light like in the room, right? And how can I adjust to make it look natural which is in this superior. light? Yes, which is far superior. Um, I I don't know how else to say this other than I'm not a big believer in the science behind all this the craze of the blue light blocking glasses. I've I've done a lot of I, I, there are people in my life who keep recommending them, and of course, I, I recently just ordered glasses. Um, from Zenny Optical. Um, Oh, good. I just got my prescription updated and I've got new glasses coming. Um, Anyway. um, Well, don't knock it till you've tried it.
1: That's the thing is, I agree that it doesn't sound like it's a necessary thing, but I I think that I do feel more comfortable and my eyes don't water as much with these glasses.
0: So so one of the things that... um, that I had the option to do when I ordered my glasses was get these. I, I'm ordering. Uh, we can go into this in a minute. I'm ordering. Mm-hmm. I ordered two pairs of glasses, one for my daily wear and one for my computer usage. Um, that's because I'm an old person now, and uh, you know I had the option to be like, oh, I could get their blocks, blue light blocks, you know, for my computer glasses. But I didn't want my everyday computer glasses. Like mm, I didn't want to have yeah. not have the option to be like, you know, I just don't want this. And and again, I think the science is a little iffy behind all this. So um I'd rather just have clear lenses so that's that's what I did but you know with with you since you're not wearing prescription lenses to correct the refraction of light coming into your right. eyeball it, right. you can take them off at any time and mm-hmm. and for me if if they are my glasses and I have to I don't have to, but I need. Well, I need them to drive and other things. Um, well, then that's that's a problem. <laughs> so I, I didn't.
1: So, so uh. you may be right about the concept that there there isn't scientific fact that proves that this is like better for your eyes. It's really difficult to come up with evidence for uh, something affecting your health over decades of your life. So it's really hard to say whether or not wearing glasses. Uh, blue light blockers uh, for the next forty years are going to improve the quality of my eyesight when I'm in my seventies. Um, yeah, I th- that
0: I, th- I, th- yeah. I think not.
1: Now, now that being said, though, the immediate benefit that I have today is not necessarily just a, a like a health concern, but I do appreciate that. You know, if your if your monitor does not support True Tone, yeah. It does make everything cast a little bit blue even if it's supposed to be white it's just the strongest light that is coming out of your monitor most of the time if it's a halfway decent monitor even so everything just has a it's a little bit tinted blue and with the blue blockers it's not like i can't see blue on my screen i i see blue links on my screen right now sure it's just it's neutralizing the whites so that they look a little bit more, uh, more or less light. There's no blue to them.
0: Yeah. And, and blue block, it, it, you know, you hear that and you thought, Oh, you're blocking the blue. That's not quite what it is. Like we're talking about a a, a range of light that you may not, n- n- it may not be fully perceptible. And we're, you know, we're talking about, you know, up in the ultraviolet range and this sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, or close to the ultraviolet range. I, it's been a while since it's been a couple months since I studied the science on this, but, um, you know, and of course, they have this graph down here. I'm looking at the Amazon page you link to. The harmful light, you know, blue light. I'm just, i don't know. yeah.
1: I don't. I don't know uh, that <laughs> I would call it harmful either.
0: You know, the the biggest source of blue light on the planet is the sun. Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and you need the sun to survive. And and they're like, oh, but you need to. You you, you know, I, I I don't know.
1: No, yeah. I, and I don't anyway, prescribe to them. If either. you
0: if you enjoy the blue light blocking glasses because you like the look of it, that's totally fine with me. Yeah. Yeah. Since we're talking a, about yeah. glasses, I um I am and I suspected this was happening last year um because it, I've I've just started to notice some strain in my eyes when I'm sitting at my computer. Mm. Um just you know, where I notice that it's difficult to focus on things up close. Um, not that I can't yet. I'm not to the point where I can't yet, but just, I'm, I'm, it's called presbyopia. Um, and it's, oh. it's, uh, at 39, it's a little bit early. Usually it starts happening in your early forties. Uh, but it's not unheard of or uncommon. So, um, or, well, not, not as common, but it's not completely uncommon. Yeah,
1: but back. you were wearing glasses from an earlier age too.
0: Uh, I was, but that's a different issue. Um, So presbyopia is something that happens to everyone. It's where the lens of your eye stops being able to focus on things up close. Okay. And so gradually over the course of 10 years, 10 to 15 years, as you get into your 40s, you will lose the ability to see things up close, uh, to focus on things up close. And so then you have to have lenses that correct this. Um, so, since we're talking about glasses, this is, this is got what got me going on this. Yeah. Um, when I went in for my, uh, my eye exam, it's been a couple of years. I don't go as often as they say, but, um, I did notice it's time, you know, my, <laughs> what, what prompted it finally was the coating on my lenses was starting to peel off. <laughs> so, um, and it's like, oh, I should probably go and have my prescription updated before I order new glasses. Um, so I did that. Uh, which of course you know my distance vision slowly gradually mm-hmm. continues to need a uh, stronger and stronger um prescription which of course is the opposite of what you're going to what I'm starting to need for my close up so i knew i mentioned to the doctor i said look i think this might be starting a little bit early can we just check on some stuff because i sit at the computer all day and i might just need a different prescription for my computer and that's exactly what's going on. um as my uh, distance vision glasses have increased in power, I'm needing a decrease in power for my close up stuff, so okay, uh, so that's what I'm doing. I am uh you know, of course, this is bifocal stage, um and um I actually do have a pair of those coming because uh, for other reasons, but I have a separate pair that it would be annoying to have to raise up your head to look at your computer screen through your bifocal. So I have a pair of glasses that is just for computer work, okay, coming.
1: Yeah. So I have a question for you on your iPhone. Do you bother to change the text size?
0: I am not going to be one of those people. No.
1: Okay. Okay. So just say so you're aware. Just say so you're aware.
0: I'm aware I, of it.
1: Okay. Uh, well, I don't know if the listeners are, so I'm going to, I'm going to make sure they're aware because I'm sure they're not. Uh, so uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was using a note-taking app on my iPad. It was uh, Craft, and then I was hopping over to day one, and then I was in Fantastical. And where I like to sit the iPad, the 11-inch model on my lap, it did feel like all of the text on the screen was a bit small at that distance. If I was holding the iPad up like I was reading a book, it probably would have been just fine. But at the extension of my arms, you know, typing, it's just a little small. So I went poking around in settings and I thought at first I would go to the home screen under I think it's brightness and display display and brightness uh so at the bottom of display and brightness don't ask don't ask me why Uh, This function is under Display and Brightness. At the bottom of Display and Brightness, there is a display zoom, and you can switch between standard and zoomed. And I was aware of this. It's been around a few years. I wouldn't use it. It makes everything look cartoonistically too huge and cramped in (laughs) the margins. It's weird. It really looks kind of silly on the iPad or on the iPhone. However... Another thing that had crept into the menu that I hadn't noticed before, just a little bit above display zoom, is just a feature for changing the text size. So rather than overhauling the size of your icons in the home screen and bars and interface elements, this is just manipulating the size of text in general across apps. So it doesn't feel absolutely outrageous. And with a slider, you can choose in here and you can immediately see on the slider the size of text going up uh, uh, or smaller uh, based on a sample. that says at the top, apps that support dynamic type will adjust to your preferred reading size below. Mm -hmm. So uh, the slider starts in the middle and that is the default. Uh, Funny enough, you can actually make it significantly smaller. I don't know why you would do that on the iPhone because it's already kind of small.
0: (laughs) Depending on your model.
1: Yeah, it could be. Uh, So I went ahead and I just bumped it up one on the slider and I've been using it this way for about a week and I'm digging it. Uh, I like you, it I like it on the iPad and I like it on the phone. I can't see, It just, it just feels easier to read at a glance.
0: And to be clear, you're a little younger than me and you're not having this issue with your uh, presbyopia yet. No, but you it, just yeah. prefer the increased text size.
1: Exactly. So, so like if I set my phone down on the counter while I'm brushing my teeth or something, I can just read text better. It's just nice.
0: Well, um, I'm not planning to be one of those people. And this is actually why. Uh, so by the way, I, I, I will have a, a more full report. This is the first time I've ordered glasses from Zenny Optical. I, I actually already got new glasses from uh, the my local place. I, there's things about them I don't like. How many pairs um, of glasses are you getting? So I went to Zenny Optical because they're pretty cheap, and so I will have a report on what the quality of those glasses are uh, after I get them. So, Okay. <laughs> So technically only two. Um, But yeah, that's one of the reasons why – so with my normal uh, distance glasses on now, and it's not that I can't read things up close at this point. It's just it gives me a headache, and it's difficult to focus on. So um, I did. I did order the bifocals. So um, for my regular distance glasses, so that I can also look down at my iPhone, <laughs> and then so so technically I'll, I'll just have two pairs of glasses. One for my computer, which is no bifocals. It is the bifocal prescription in the whole lens.
1: I want you to be able to see TJ. So yes, the yes. better to do our podcast with.
0: Yes, well, uh we we'll, we'll see how that goes. So, I I'll, I'll have a more full report on Zeni Optical, but I uh the experience of ordering glasses I I'm a little bit of a I've always been a little bit of a um uh optometric op- optometric trick nerd. Um oh. I, I I enjoy the study of like I, I I in another life I could have been an optometrist, I think, just because yeah, I, I enjoy like the combination the, – like learning about how different lenses refract the light differently for different – what's called refractive error. I'm going to nerd out on you about eyes and glasses here. It's called – what I have is called refractive error.
1: It's like high f- high fidelity but for your eyes.
0: Yes, exactly. A High-fi eyes. That's right. So I have a refractive error in both eyes, and in my left eye, I have both a refractive error and an astigmatism, which means that my cornea is shaped a little bit like a football, and so the light does not hit my retinas correctly. And lenses of uh, certain, you know, diopter and uh, axis um, change the direction of the light as it enters my eyes, and it makes it possible for me to see much more clearly. I've always been interested in that sort of thing, so um, anyway. yeah, Fascinating. Now,
1: you want to tell me all about Windows 11?
0: I don't have a lot to say here. I don't know whether this is, quote, a main topic or not, but I, I thought it was worth talking about. I... I am not into Windows enough to have watched the whole video, but I, I skimmed around and I read a um, – uh, a, a kind of a, a, an overview of the features that Windows 11 is going to have. And uh, in addition, then I watched uh, – which I'll link in the show notes um, – Uh, mkbhd's reaction to windows 11 uh surprise surprise he's actually like i kind of like windows you know i only really only use mac stuff because you know iphone and stuff so um you know uh he's not he's sort of a more of a we're mac nerds he's more of a general tech nerd right yeah Uh, but anyway so i'll i recommend his video for a good kind of overview of windows 11 but definitely some cool things happening here and i think this is a um more of a march toward a a Windows that is starting to become unfettered from the past. They're, they're starting to do what they should have done a long time ago, which is stop supporting every single thing that has ever been and ever will be and be more like, you know, um, we need to leave some of this behind so we can move Windows forward. So I a think few that's years cool. ago,
1: that was the reason why I was uninterested in bothering with PC because I felt like it was stuck in the past.
0: Yeah. And I mean, they've been making this march with Windows 10 too, but now they're getting a little more aggressive. And, and I actually really like some of the design decisions that they've made in Windows 11. I think that it's very cool. It, it actually, they're, they're carving out some new ground that isn't, you know, we're, um, not so much in Windows 10, but, you know, Windows, Windows Vista, Windows 7. Uh, even to some extent, Windows 8, although it was a change in design direction, but it still felt like Windows wanted to have some of that Mac flavor, you know. And Windows 10 has started to go in a different direction, but for a while, Windows felt like it was, I want to, we want to be the Mac, you know. Uh, but but they did it badly. They did it poorly. <laughs> They're not good at the Mac style, and so they had varying degrees of success. Vista being the worst, um, and so. Uh, this is more like you know we've rethought what should a modern Windows look and feel like, and it feels like they're really carving out their own direction. But it also looks good, which is yeah. a little bit new for Windows. Windows has never been oh look how good it looks. It's, that's never been the draw of Windows, and yeah, this th- I, this time it does. I admit, I, admit, I looked. And I'm like they're they're doing a really good job of carving their own path in a very Microsofty Windows way. There are, I have some quibbles. Um, for instance, they said now the, the start menu is now the center of your experience. And my first thought was (laughs) muscle memory. We're doing the going down this that that is going down the Mac path a little bit where it's like the dock. It's like everything's centered and moves around and it's kind of squishy. And no, let's not do that. And, but thankfully there is a setting to pin it back over to the left where it belongs. But I I just, I think that there, (laughs) there is a, a great trend that, that is going on here. And I'm happy to see, like, I'm not, I, as you know, I'm firmly back in the Mac camp after wandering for a few years, and I'm not going anywhere. But I'm happy for there to be some competition in this space for the operating system on the desktop.
1: I couldn't have said it better. That my casual impression was that the the feel of the sort of the, they call it glass interface uh, yes. it reminds me sort of it's the equivalent of Apple's Aqua
0: interface in in concept, not mm-hmm. in not in look.
1: Correct. So like yeah. Apple has gotten away from their Aqua, but uh Windows never really landed at a moment in their design phases that was a- akin to an aqua, so this is like their aqua for twenty twenty well
0: and and what to be clear what when what uh Microsoft did was with windows x p they they came with this huge like coat of paint, but then when you would dig under the surface a little bit, there was the old. Interface, And then yeah. along comes Vista, and they paint some new paint on top of it, but then you dig down a little bit, and you're in Windows XP. You dig down a little bit further, and you're back in the Windows <laughs> you know, 2000 era. And so then they come with this coat of paint of Windows 8, but it's just a coat of paint on top of Vista and Windows XP and Windows 2000. And so you've got these layers, and you can find old bits of UI in that operating system. And Windows 11 looks like, and, and we have yet to get our hands on it, it could still be that that old coat of paint is there somewhere, but it looks like they're starting to think... Think more holistically about this and not leave things dangling, which is more – in that regard, it is more Apple-like because you cannot find uh, – occasionally you, you were able to, but over time, like the vestiges of this have all gone away. Over time, you can't typically find old bits of UI and old concepts hanging around the OS, macOS, that tends to all get updated. So and I think Windows is headed in that direction. Hmm.
1: Well, you know, the interface is so pretty that, honestly, I want to give it a try, but I don't have access to a PC.
0: Well, yes, I I agree, Um, and I do have access to a PC, and I will almost certainly be installing Windows 11. That is if my PC will support it. They're getting so aggressive. On the specs, um, I may not have all the necessary hardware because you have to have some sort of uh, security module. It's unclear to me whether my logic board – my motherboard – sorry, I'm PC land. My motherboard has this module, this security module. I don't know if it does, so I may not be able to install it. We'll see. But – I am very interested to try it out. I'm even more interested to learn more about the technical underpinnings underpinnings of Windows 11. Is it still uh, an NT based kernel? I'm sure it is, but have they what are they, what are they doing there? Are they thinking about the file system? Because the file system stuff, and we need John Syracuse's ding bell, um, ding. <laughs> ding, yeah. But um, the file system. They sort of did this leapfrog, where when NTFS came out, it was a much superior file system to what Mac had, and then you know Apple came out with macOS at uh, their their HFS Plus, and it was you know on par. And then of course you know NTFS just continues to be the file system that that Windows uses, and Apple's come out with a much better file system with APFS. So it's interesting. I'm just interested in these technical details, like what, and I know a lot of the changes in Windows 11 are going to be technical. So I'm just curious to learn more. And one of the one of the interesting thing that's happened in tech is all of the operating systems have have converged on this POSIX style, you know, POSIX compatible uh, Unixy um, type system. All of them, except for Windows, which is still a kernel that Microsoft built. So, you know, I don't know. I'm interested to see how and why how, the how and the why of Windows 11.
1: I'm looking forward to it. Not as much as Monterey, but it does look enticing.
0: Well, let's see. The interesting thing, thing about Monterey is it doesn't look like there's any visual changes in Monterey.
1: Hardly, yeah. yeah. Except for that wallpaper. It looks really
0: good. Well, but, you know, I, mean the, <laughs> I mean the interface. The interface looks identical to Big Sur. Now, maybe that'll change, but it's unlikely. Usually, interface changes are announced at WWDC. so right. That's fine. I, I don't need for the interface to change with every update. I, I fact, felt like I they did a really good to. job
1: with that with Big Sur. So, yeah, we don't yeah. need it again right now.
0: Yeah, I have some quibbles. I, I, I oh, hope yeah? they would refine some of the pop-up dialogues. I, I really hate them in Big Sur. I have not gotten used to them. I despise them more every day. The, the verticalized dialogue pop-ups, I'm not a big fan.
1: So verticalized, you mean the ones that are center on screen for like, you have an error, this app has crashed, you need to give permissions? Those kind of messages?
0: Yes, um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to see if I can get one to come up, but I I don't off the top of my head can't bring one up. But it's it's anything that is a pop over kind of a a you cannot continue interacting with this app until you click a button dot kind of dialogue. Um, and I just I I prefer them on Catalina and previous. I do not like Big Sur style. Anyway, that's all nerdy, nerdy details. I think Windows 11 looks really good from what they showed us of Windows 11. Oh, oh, and I wanted to mention what they're doing with app groupings is far superior to what Apple's full-screen implementations are. Far, far superior. Um, and and I, I really wish that Apple would just take a leaf out of what Windows is doing here out of their page. Um, did, did you see the video? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Let me um, – I, well, I retweeted – I saw
1: MKBHDs, but what do you mean by leafing?
0: Uh, oh, don't take a leaf out of, the, of Microsoft's page. I didn't mean ah, leafing. Okay. Um, okay, here is something that I retweeted. Copy link to tweet, and I'll put it in our chat robot, and I will also drop it in the show outline here so that – um, I can put it in the show notes later um, so you can kind of see uh, if you click through um, to look at the app grouping so what's going on here if you look look oh, at this yes. screenshot is if you hover over the maximize button you can also immediately go into different layouts now there's more that I want to see happen here but this is a great start it um, is good yeah so so you can you can and, and what happens is when you group apps together like this they stay together so when you go back to them in the taskbar it brings them all up together so this is similar in concept to what apple is doing but in implementation it is so much better because now they behave as a single unit that can still be moved around or or hidden so you can get back to the desktop and pop back up and it remembers your layout basically whereas the the whole full screen thing in mac os feels so clunky and hard to use and this looks unclunky and easy to use
1: It does look really good. I hardly use the one on the Mac and I'm accustomed to using like the third party utility, the uh, Moom. But if I weren't using Moom today, I would really prefer if Apple just implemented things like this.
0: Right. And well, what you don't get with Moom or with any utility that I'm aware of on Mac OS is the grouping, right? So that when you come back to an app that you've laid out with Moom or anything else... You, you may bring that one app to the four, but it doesn't bring the other apps to the four, and you have to individually yeah. bring those up as well. Yeah. And this keeps those apps, once you go into this mode, grouped together. They're easily broken apart, but you group them together into this layout that you have, and they stay together. It's so really slick.
1: Tell me what's a app grouping that you like to use. Are you putting it together for particular tasks throughout your workday or – yeah, it just depends. It mm-hmm. just
0: depends. Like when I – and this is where I want to see this concept go further. So right now you can only tile things. What I want is to say I want to overlap these two windows and keep them grouped together, right? Oh. So so for instance, I will often have uh, – for my day job, PHP, PHP Storm mostly maximized, but I'll have a sliver to the right where I can get to an app behind it. Uh, often that Sublime Merge, my Git um, thing, or maybe – or often also too it can be my uh, terminal window. And I want those to stay kind of together so that if I bring PHP Storm to the front, um, the terminal or Sublime Merge or whatever it is I have there is right behind it so I can click it and it bring it up to the front. But if I have an app that has interceded itself between the windows, I can no longer do that, right? I Maybe I've opened Safari, and then I go back to PHP Storm and now Safari is right behind it. And so when I click on that sliver to the right, I can't get to it. So you see what I'm saying? I want there to be a concept of arranging windows in an overlapping pattern and keeping them together. And so far, neither Windows nor macOS has that.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Well, cool. All the more power to you if you can get that feature someday. I would like to, yes. I really <sighs> do love to arrange my windows, use Mission Control. Uh, I fire up things with the keyboard, so I have mapped a lot of window arrangement to holding down the control key and pressing Q, W, E, A, S, D, Z, X, and C. Yeah. And uh, that gives me nine different window arrangement options. Uh, for example, I even uh, sort of scale and center the email window if I'm using the Spark Mail app for uh, an email I'm writing. Uh, you know, one thing that I do like the look and feel of making a full screen uh, Mail app app is that when you create a new window or sorry, a new email message, it is in a fixed position. And it's a centered, sort of vertical, slender window that appears over your full screen mail app. I just kind of imitate that for the Spark mail app because my brain registers this. You're in, you're in an email writing mode now. Like Mm. it's at the right frame of mind. Silly, but it just clicks for me.
0: Yeah. I, when I'm composing an email, I I'll move that window all over the place as I reference things. So
1: interesting. Yeah. See, I I can't do that. My brain just breaks.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I I don't have to have a particular place that my compose window is in. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I'm really I, – I think one of the things that frustrates me and, and that Windows is taking seriously and that I don't think Apple is, is um, these window management features um, in 2021 uh, should be basic. They should be something that our operating system vendors are thinking about and Windows is starting to think about and Apple really, as far as I can tell, is not. They're like, here, here's some Windows, and I don't mean Windows the operating system. I mean Windows the concept. Here's some Windows, and you can do what you want with them and have fun. It's like, yeah, cool. I enjoy that. I enjoy a windowed operating system more than I enjoy iPad OS, for instance. But can you can you think about some features to help manage those some more? Why are we having to put these hacks on top of the operating system? To, to why are you having to do you know yeah. Q W E R T Y you know S D A whatever like and those are great like, but that should be built into the operating system. And instead, we're having to put these hacks on top of the operating system that that tend to break. I I use a, a window management application that works about 90 percent of the time and sometimes it doesn't do what i want it to do because it's not built in the operating system the operating system's overriding it you know so i just i'm frustrated specifically with apple and their lack of attention to some of these things
1: i get it i feel i feel your pain i've been i mean like i kind of gotten tired of trying to manipulate it because they just do not make a whole lot of headway in this regard
0: yeah yeah, I agree, and and even the tools that I'm using. I don't know if you feel this way about the tools that you use. I I don't like Moom personally, but I I use um oh what's a mosaic? I use mosaic, oh. and it's not perfect, but it does mostly what I want it to do. Except when for some reason it conflicts with what the operating system is trying to do. But um, I I just I I I had a point I was going to make. Do you remember what it was, Joe? <laughs> Can you read <leave> my mind? <laughs> <laughs> what did you say right before that?
1: I was saying that they have not made a lot of headway in recent years on the Mac. Yeah. Mission and Control, you know, it's just not a lot of difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, oh, um, oh, there
1: is one kind of clever thing you can do with a keyboard is if you're in the Finder, and I think this also works in Safari. Let me check. Yeah. Okay, so... Picture a moment where you've created a handful of different windows inadvertently doing things in the Finder. There is, under the window, a, a drop-down on the menu bar. So for Safari and Finder, under window, there is a merge all windows command. So you could assign a keyboard shortcut to merge all windows, and that is really handy because I always end up with more Finder windows open by accident than I intended to use. Interesting. I always know
0: exactly how many Finder windows I have open, Joe.
1: I always get it back to that place, but (sighs) whether it's, you know... How are
0: you getting open Finder windows that you don't mean to open?
1: um, Let me think here. It could be... I'm downloading things, and one of the browsers I'm unaware of, maybe Chrome, automatically opens up a Finder window with "Here's your new file." I don't know. Hmm. And then, my yeah, other I mean, browser if, if I,
0: yeah, if I open up a new Finder window, I immediately, if something opens a Finder window on my behalf, I immediately close it or I move it to a tab. Like that's just immediate. It's just like a, oh my gosh, I did not tell you to open a window. Get where you go. Yeah. <laughs> get get where you belong. I don't you. I don't. You are not wanted here. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you
1: use Mosaic? Are you using it with keyboard commands?
0: No. So um, what I have is I have defined – and it has a whole bunch of built-in layouts that I immediately delete. And I have defined um, – uh, so um, when I hold down – when I start to move a window and I hold down the option key, then up at the top of the screen appears a bar with my one, two, three, four, five, six possible layouts. One layout is full screen. Another way layout – the next one I call large left. The next one I call large right, and those are basically the arrangement that I just mentioned where I have something that's mostly full screen or mostly maximized, except I have a sliver to the right where I want to be able to click to get to the app under it. Um, And then the sliver to the left is large right. And then center basically centers my window and leaves a fair portion on either side of the window, but it maximizes it vertically in the middle of the screen. And then I have one called center small, which leaves space all around. Um, And then I'll often, even though it's centered, I might get it to that size and then move it around a little bit. Uh, and then I have a left and a right so that I can tile things like I can have two apps exactly halfway, you know, exactly half of the screen side by side. Ooh, okay. So that's, that's how I manage my windows and I don't like, I certainly will if I need to resize a window, but my first stop is to hit one of my predefined layouts and then maybe move it around.
1: Yeah. Well, what do you want to do from here? You want to talk about the cars?
0: Yeah, so we're almost out of time, uh, so I think I'll just pare this down to the one thing Mm -hmm. I really wanted to complain about (laughs) with cars. (laughs) Um, So recently, I purchased a new-to-us minivan to replace our older, aging minivan, uh, this is a 2013 model, and it came with what I call the super key. It's this big, huge, freaking key fob. does not have a piece of metal sticking out of it. It's just all electronic, and it also – you can click buttons, and it opens doors and locks doors and all these things. And it, So it's this huge, freaking key fob. I kind of hate it. Hmm. Um, and But additionally, it's an all-digital key, and so and you look at the key hole in the dash, and it's um, – it's like this it's just a big like it's it's got a place for that digital key to go, but it's not like it's got metal teeth. It's just sensing the keys electronics. Something went wrong with my key shortly after we got the van, and I don't know what could have gone wrong with it. Huh. Um did I put it too close to my phone? If so, it's a stupid key design like I don't know. Yeah. But uh I went to start the van one day and I turned the key and the van wouldn't start. So I turned the key off and then the the thing on the dash says key damaged. Like, so it senses there's a key, but it doesn't sense that it's the right key. And so I guess so it just says key damaged. I have yet to call a locksmith or the dealer or whatever it is I need to do probably an expensive fix. But uh, I've just been using we just now have one key that's working. And if that stops working, then we're in trouble. But I just uh, this is just my main complaint. This is, you know, you know me, Joe. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge nerd. I'm a, I'm a tech guy like I write software. Yeah. I love technology. I just don't know that we need this this sort of technology in our keys. Like I was happier with all my pre- every single previous vehicle I've ever had that took a key with teeth and you stick it in the <laughs> ignition and it works every time. Every single yes. time it will turn that engine over. And this one you turn it and it says your key is damaged, dummy. And I'm like, I don't need this in my life. Why is this technology? Why does this need to be technology? <laughs> I don't want bad. it. I don't need it. Why not just put a piece of metal on that key and so that it doesn't need to be a digital thing that might go bad? I don't understand. How is this a step forward? I don't get it.
1: That's pretty bad. Uh, i want to make a new set of keys and you remember in the old days with the old-fashioned kind of key of if course. you've used it for too many years it just wears down a little bit oh, sure yeah, so if yeah. you get a copy of a worn key oh it's yeah no not gonna trust work me really i know there. yes <laughs> i get it i'm in that fix
0: oh that's not good uh that's why you need to keep an original key around and never use it oh
1: i hadn't thought of that but yeah now i will
0: <laughs> so now you need to get a locksmith or a dealer if it's a car or whatever it is that you're doing to uh to make you an actual key and rekey the thing or whatever, and then keep that original key so you can have copies made of it
1: oh, that's worth it yeah, I should do yeah that.
0: unfortunately for the the building that our church meets in, um I have a key, but it's a copy of a copy of a copy of a who knows how many generations, and so you have to wiggle it just right to get it to work it's it's a it's a disaster <laughs> <laughs> I know the pain there but but in general, in general, when a key when a metal key with teeth is working it just, you know, and and the tumbler is aligned just right so that it unlocks the thing and you just turn it and it just works. Like never ever have I had problems Starting uh, and key-related problems starting a vehicle that I've ever had before.
1: Well, in the future, you're just going to hop into your car with your smart glasses, smart watch, and your smartphone, and your smart wallet, and you're not going to need keys at all, and the car will just know when (laughs) X number of pounds of pressure are sitting on the seat, it'll uh, start the car for you.
0: I mean, they do make keys like that. I remember a few years ago, some some friend of mine or some friend of a friend, I don't remember what the circumstances were or even who it was, but he's like, you know his keys in his pocket, and he puts his hand in the door latch, and it unlocks because he's near it. And he opens the door, and he sits down, and he pushes the start button, and it just starts. His key never left his pocket, so I suppose that's what they're going for. But in my case specifically, the key still has to be in the ignition. It's just all digital. Like I yes, yeah, so it's really weird. How is it's like, that damaged? What are, you, what are you doing, Chrysler? Why? Yeah, Why? I did,
1: yeah, I didn't stick a piece of toast into the key socket. <laughs> it's a real key, guys. It's your key.
0: Yeah, so I'm probably going to have to go to the Chrysler dealership and say, please fix my key for $500 or whatever it is you charge to digitally – or give me a new one probably, more than likely. it's mm. probably something – but again, like – The first question my wife asked was like, because you know we're used to credit cards being finicky. If you get near the iPhone Mini, and we've messed up a few credit cards that way before we learned our lesson. And so it's like, so is it, um, is it too close to the magnet in your phone? Did that something like that mess it up? I'm like, if if it did, like that's the stupidest design I've ever heard of. (laughs) Like if you can't, if a key needs to be somewhat rugged, right? Because it's gonna be in your pocket. You toss keys around, like I don't know, you drop keys, like and if dropping a key, look, my um. My, the key to my car, it's its an actual physical key, but then they're also separately there's a smaller key fob that will lock and unlock the doors. I've dropped that thing 350 times, and it still works. And in fact, it even came apart once, and I just pushed it back together, and it snapped back into place, and it just still continues to work. So something here is not as rugged as my Mazda car from 2003. So… <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really all. I, I, I know. I put hi-fi car lifestyle here, but and I was going to talk about some other things with cars, but like really, that's I wanted to complain about digital keys. Well,
1: yeah. There's always room to talk more about cars in the future. I'll let I'm you do sure. that, TJ.
0: Okay. Well, that's it for this week. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to stop nerding out about things. If if you would like to uh, find the show notes for this episode, they're going to be at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 33. Or if you have any podcast app except apparently Apple's, uh, you can get the show notes right in the um, – you can get the show notes right in your app. I don't know if you heard this, Joe. Sorry. I was trying to wrap up the show. But um, yeah. since Apple did all their podcast rejiggering, their show notes have quit displaying HTML. So um, – you can't click links and stuff like so. Use use Overcast, use a uh, Pocket Cast, use something good. Don't use Apple's podcast. No. Uh, yes, friends please don't do. let friends use the podcast. So anyway, that's how you can get the show notes for this episode. Joe, you are on another show. Why don't you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, the other show is called Equinox and it's a science show with a scientist on the show with me, Dr. Rob Carter, and we love to discuss any kind of interesting science topic that occurs to him. He is just a student for life of all sciences and he yeah. is a geneticist, a marine biologist by trade, and he uh yeah, so we just talked about starlight and deep uh, space uh, mm. long age view of the universe for this week's episode and it'll be coming out sometime Wednesday yeah Joe no, nobody's
0: too. paying me to say this but I love Equinox it is like it goes to the top of my queue when it comes out so.
1: oh thanks sweet yeah
0: yeah i love i love uh it's it's not you it's dr Cargo.
1: totally (laughs) 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 Uh,
0: (laughs) no it it really is fascinating to to get a peek into his mind like he's truly uh truly uh, just check it out go to go to nightowl.fm and check out equinox as well i truly enjoy it that's it for this week i hope you catch us next week when we're going to be talking about who knows what actually it'll be in two weeks but i don't know what we're going to be talking about yet but it's sure to be fun and we'll talk to you later